one of the characteristics of God that describes who he is apart from us, and we talked about that last time, ontology, who, who God is apart from us and not in relation to us. So one of those characteristics is aseity, which is, as Michael Horton describes it, his from himself You're listening to the Unspeakable Podcast with Kim, Kimberly, and Brandy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Kim, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Kimberly and Brandy, hiding away in our closets for the two of us that do that. And I just had somebody ask me last night if we really did that. Kimberly, are you really in your closet? I promise. (laughs) Next to a pile of clothes and uh, in front of me is all the laundry that I did yesterday. Oh, well, that's that's progress because yesterday was just... (laughs) I'm thinking that's another, just another facet to the whole unspeakable thing. Yeah. You guys are in your closets with your laundry and your iron. I see an iron. (laughs) What's that? I don't do that. I've said this before on the podcast, but I use the circular iron. Yeah, to God, on his left side were the goats, and on the right, his sheep. On my left is the microphone, microphone, and on my right is the iron. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, so then, which thing represents the sheep, and which thing represents the goats? <laughs> oh, well... Uh, well, let's see. Sheep hear my voice, so maybe I need to put the microphone oh, on. Right? Oh, Bad analogies for 200, Alex. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of bad analogies, we're going to talk about something that usually gets one of those, yes? Yes. <laughs> Um, we are talking about aseity today. Brandy, why don't you jump into that and kind of give us a, a Reader's Digest version of what it is, and then we'll pick it apart as we go through our conversation. Sure. One of the characteristics of God that describes who he is apart from us, and we talked about that last time, ontology, who who God is apart from us and not in relation to us. So one of those characteristics is aseity, which is, as Michael Horton describes it, his from himselfness. In fact, the word aseity comes from the Latin ase, which means of or from oneself. Mm. So as we're talking about that, it, it... one of the best ways to think about this and get your mind around this is to think of God before he created. A lot of Christians think before he created, he was in heaven. And that's not true because according to Genesis 1, 1, the, the heavens and the earth were created. Right. So before creation, there was only God. And also sometimes we'll talk about God in eternity past. And that's a little bit misleading terminology because he wasn't in eternity as if time were an environment in which God existed. He's eternal. Uh, Eternality is one of his attributes. So we're talking about God just as God, where there wasn't anywhere for him to be. There wasn't even the word before is the only word we have. It's a time (laughs) word. 
but it's the only word we have. So we're talking about God in his from himselfness, and that word is aseity. Okay, so where do we first see it in scripture? Well, that's not a good way to put that because it's because it have because God is and always was. It's all through scripture, right? Sure. Sure. But what is a good passage for us to grab hold of this this concept? My favorite, and I think the one that theologians use a lot, is Exodus 3. And we chose today to look at 1 through 6 and then skip down and do 13 through 16 as well. Kimberly, would you like to read those for us? I would love to. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock of the back to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called it to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And then down at 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So we see God revealing his name to us in this passage and as you probably know in scripture, a name wasn't just a name because it sounded pretty. It mm. it reflects something about the person who is named thus. And I kind of like the, the King James sound to that. It made it sound <laughs> so, you know, God is other and lofty. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry I didn't do my best Max McLean, but yeah. Oh, I well, well, I was Kim would have freaked out. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking I would much le- rather listen to Kimberly read that than Max McLean. <laughs> so you could just record Genesis to Revelation for me. That would be great. Mm, you're sweet. <laughs> so Kim, would you like to tackle why God's name Yahweh, you know, when you see all caps L O R D in the old Testament, 
that's the tetragrammaton, the four letters that are YHWH, and sometimes people say Jehovah. I tend to say Yahweh. And would you explain to us why that reflects his aseity? Right. Well, that word, you know, I am that I am, that means he is self-sufficient. He is of himself and from himself. Mm-hmm. There's There are no human words really to describe this, but we're going to make an attempt here. <laughs> right. It makes him unique from other gods, right? No other god has always been. They were all right. created. They they have all, either if they were human gods with, and I'm using air quotes and little g's here, <laughs> if they were human gods, they were created because they were human, right? If they were right. a statue of some sort, they were created out of something that already was there. But God himself was never created. He is. Yes. And that is, Perfect. he is from history and he is, all, always will be. You know, I have Burkhoff here, his systematic theology, and he went on to say that Reformed theologians generally substituted aseity. I'm sorry, they substituted for, in the place of aseity, independence, because they were expressing not merely that God is independent in his being, as we talked about last week with ontology, mm-hmm. but also that he's independent in everything else, in his virtues, in his decrees, in his works, and so on. And so he has no need, no necessity for anything else, not for us or anything else. Yeah, I love the um, A.W. Tozer said need is a creature word. Mm-hmm. And then he dropped the mic and he was out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I really liked when I was reading about this, what we really want to get across is that we as the creation sometimes have this wrong way of thinking. And I love what one theologian said, that we have this understanding that, first of all, God doesn't need us, but in our incorrect thinking, we have this syndrome called the poor God syndrome. Oh, yes. Oh, and (laughs) we did touch a little bit on this with the with ontology. But um, this is the idea that, you know, somehow God needed me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was not complete until I came into the picture, (laughs) which just, you know, and I say that, you know, facetiously, of course. But so if God doesn't alter his ways, um, and treat us differently, he will lose us to his deprivation, is the wow. idea of <laughs> right. the poor God syndrome. Right. And I think that that's really important for us to think about, because it it is placing us somewhere we don't belong, because God is self-contained. Right. Okay, and so somehow we're trying to inch our way into the throne room and place ourselves somewhere we don't belong. Amen. And Amen. so I, I think we really need to make sure that we realize God didn't need me. Right. Yeah. He was perfect. He was complete. And we were not in the picture when all of that took place. Yeah. And you are speaking to me 10 years ago because that's, that was exactly my theology. That was the theology of the 
the church I belong to at the time. And we, we here at Unspeakable, part of, we want, of what we want to do for you is to give you the idea and the, the deep conviction we hope that theology really does matter. If, you're, if your orthodoxy is not all that it should be, and that's correct teaching, then your orthopraxy, you won't have orthopraxy, and that's correct practice. Your your life will be off. And then also your doxology, your praise of God won't be what it should be because the God that Kimberly just described is an anemic God that's not worthy of worship. Mm-hmm. And it's really important mm-hmm. that we understand that. One of the ways in the passage we just read that God gives us an illustration of his aseity is in the burning bush. And I wish I could do a good Scottish accent, but I sure can't. But Sinclair Ferguson, time and time again, has has brought up this passage and talked about, you know, the fire that was in the bush, uh, <laughs> the, the fire that was in the bush, but was not dependent on the bush for its the energy it needed to burn. It was a fire that was nothing but fire, that was pure fire. Hmm. And so that was a way he could help. Moses understand who was speaking to him. That fire wasn't dependent on anything. And that's what we're trying to explain to you about God. That's pretty awesome. And I loved your Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, that was phenomenal. Oh, <laughs> One of the things that I really liked that A.W. Tozer said helps me to see in the Bible as well, not just uh, with Moses, uh, but also in the beginning of time when, um, and this is what Tozer says, I'll read it. God wants us to worship him. He doesn't need us for he couldn't be a self-sufficient God and need anything or anybody, but he wants us. Yes. When Adam sinned, it was not, he is, it was not he who cried, God, where art thou? It was God who cried, Adam, where art thou? Mm. Mm. And to me, that just brings me to worship because I see God from the very beginning as the one who's doing the calling. It wasn't me coming to him and saying, here, let me help you. I'm your, I am your greatest gift. (laughs) No. No. And I was there. I really, you know, that idea of man pleasing, Mm -hmm. it leaks into, you know, that us wrongfully wanting to please our father. Mm-hmm. And somehow we think that we complete who he is when we please him. No, he was already complete, whether I please him or not. Right. Okay. So I think we've covered what a saity is. Now let's talk about why it's important to us and how it affects, you know, the fact that I'm a mom and I had a, fort in my living room yesterday built by my children you know day-to-day life how does this affect us I think a good place to go to begin to answer that question is Acts 17 and I'm going to start in verse 24 and this is Paul on Mars Hill if you recall as he um, approached Mars Hill and saw all these statues and and monuments to gods everywhere, just idolatry everywhere. Mm -hmm. And he happened to see one that said to an unknown God. 
And so he decided to explain to them the true and living God and use that as a, a springboard. Um, so in verse 24, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not actually far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring." Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that he, that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So the idea we get from this is he is Lord. Again, he does not need us. If you created one of those images made of gold, it is dependent on you. You are not dependent on it. I like what John Frame said. You know, you want to choose the right kind of wood so your God doesn't rot <laughs> if you're going to mm. make an idol. And also, even though when we when we create a God like Kimberly described, who just wasn't complete until he made us, make no mistake, you didn't form that God out of wood, but you you formed it all the same. This is not the true and living God. And I think as we live through our daily lives, we remember the God that doesn't change as we're slogging through the unending laundry and we're tempted to be focused on our circumstances and slogged down by that. Mm -hmm. It's good to just focus on the God who is from himself and who will never change and remember that we live for him and that all of this will end. It will pass away, but he will never pass away. Mm. Well, and that, you know, it talks about, we, we've talked about independent, him, God being independent, and then that necessarily makes us dependent, right? Amen. Yes. And so um, another thing that um, Burkhoff said was he's not only independent in himself, but also causes everything to depend on him. Mm-hmm. It is only mm-hmm. as the self-existent and independent one that God can give the assurance that he will remain eternally the same in relation to his people. And I think that's mm-hmm. where our hope is, is that eternal sameness of God is, is what we are dependent on. As we think about all of this, it really is too large to fit in my brain and I run out of words and it reminds me of Paul as he's been expositing God and the gospel for uh, 11 chapters of Romans. And all of a sudden he just bursts out in spontaneous worship. And he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. And Mm -hmm. that, that is what happens to us when we get a glimpse of of the inscrutable God, our hearts are moved just to sing his praise and to worship him. There are quite a few good songs actually, but I actually, as I was working through this the last couple of days, I kept coming back to a more recent song. 
And William McDowell, uh, these are the lyrics to the song, You Are God Alone. And verse one says, you are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give. And I love this because it's not an answer, but it is. By your plan, that's just the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Because that's that incomprehensible side, right? This mm-hmm. is his plan. This is the way it is. There is no argument for us. Right. And so it is just saying, this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if that is the way it is, he is worthy of all of our worship mm-hmm. and he is worthy of our obedience because he is Lord. And that is something that we'll get to the Lordship issue. But I think right here is a great starting place for us to understand why why he is worthy of our obedience. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. It is. <laughs> you know, back when I saw God as more dependent on me, and I would not have said it that way, but one oh, of the no. issues... One, no, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have been shocked if you had said that's what I was, was doing, but one of the ways that that worked itself out in my life is in a lot more fear and anxiety and worship because Mm. if God is dependent on me in some way in in my heart of hearts I know I'm gonna fail and you know I might miss God's plan for my life or I might thwart something he was doing or Mm. you know as I grew to understand he is Ase. He doesn't need anything. He will not change no matter what I do. And I am dependent on him. My heart was at rest Mm. from that point on. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, there were times when I would um, be fearful about praying for certain things because, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to pray that prayer. Like, okay, (laughs) you know, you're, you're always told the old adage, don't pray for patience. Right. Because then you're going to have trials, right? Right. You're going to have trials, period, whether you pray for patience <laughs> or not. Let me just give you that hope as you're listening. Yeah. And So um, maybe some of our listeners are on the other end of the spectrum, though. If we feel somehow there is something that God needs of us, maybe we're overconfident. Yeah. Mm, and so true. instead of being fearful, we're overconfident and, and less dependent. No. I, so I think you can take that either, you know, either direction too far. Sure. Yes, absolutely. And I have done both sides myself. You know, I think we all have. Definitely. Mm-hmm. My husband tried a church one time and, um, you know, a little bit more of a, a liberal church. He just popped in to see, you know, what's this like? Should we try it? And the pastor actually said these words. Sometimes I just feel God saying, thank you. I need you. Mm. And wow. You know, and as we had contact with the people in that church over time, it was, I think you're right, Kimberly, a little more of that pride that my existence is doing God a favor somehow. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that humility and, and seeing of uh, God as Lord. Right. Yeah. I think the deceitfulness of our hearts can be played out in many different ways Mm -hmm. with this one. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. You're right. I know that the passages we've used today are 
very familiar to most of you. And what we would like to encourage you to do today is meditate on what you've heard and then go back to Exodus 3 and um, Acts 17 and read through those and meditate on who God is in and of himself and your relation to him and allow the, the word of God and the spirit of God to speak to you and deepen your understanding of your Lord. In closing, I just want to read a little bit about our Savior, Jesus Christ, because I think that his character and his description of who he is will bring us hope. Uh, In Revelation 1, beginning in verse 5, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God the Father, To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. <laughs> mm. Would you like to sing? <laughs> you know, Kim, you could close us in a song. You oh, know. no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or, you know, trail out on you. Um, if, if, if you break out in song, go for it. I won't ruin it by joining in, though. <laughs> God well, doesn't uh, need me there. <laughs> I'd actually like to end with a song, but it is from scripture. So I'm just going to read it and not sing it. Um, (laughs) and just a portion you know when I was I was in Psalm 102 yesterday and a couple of verses in that really spoke of the Lord's aseity to me and um, they are starting in verse 25 of old you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands even they will perish but you endure and all of them will wear out like a garment like clothing you will change them and they will be changed but you are the same and your years will not come to an end. And, you know, the sameness of God is what gives us the hope. I think that that's what we've, we've tried to convey to you in this episode. We're prayerful that this has helped you to worship your Lord a little more fully and gives you some practical guidance in how to live out the doctrine that you believe in your mind. Thank you for listening. We will talk with you again soon. Enjoy your coffee. Unspeakable is a ministry of rickthomas.net. Visit us and check out our other great content. 